Welcome guys, it's wonderful to be able to share with you God's Word today. We're now three full weeks into this lockdown and uh, six weeks into doing uh, church online together. And what was once special and unique has now become the norm. I don't know about you and your household, but I know for me and Hannah that we've now got into a certain sense of, uh, sense of rhythm and pattern to our days. It's amazing how adaptable the human spirit is. Yet each and every single one of us is yearning for something more. We're yearning for the ability to meet together, to go outside, to, to experience the fullness of life. And often when chatting on Zoom or FaceTime or contacting family, we'll, we'll have conversations that go along the lines of, I cannot wait for things to go back to normal so that I can do whatever. Or when life restarts, the first thing I will do is, and while these ways of thinking make sense, and it's clearly a response to the situation we find ourselves in, it risks painting the picture that life is just simply on hold, that God has hit the pause button, and that when it's only when we step out of this moment and we step out of this season that life will carry on. The problem with this way of thinking, though, is that we miss what God is doing in the midst of this season. We miss what God is up to right now in the life of you and me. What if it, what if God is wanting to do something amazing in your life right now? What if right now something revolutionary will take place that will prepare you for the next season, the next chapter, the next story in your life? What if, this simple, what if this season isn't simply about biding our time until we can get back to church, we can get back to work, we can get back to carrying life as normal. But God is inviting us in to an experience, to a journey that will be integral for what is next. What if we see that this isn't something to get through or to endure? but actually is a divinely appointed moment. We're not the first of God's children to go through a time like this, and we will certainly not be the last until Jesus returns. In fact, we see the disciples wrestling with this very situation in the Gospels, and that's why I want to explore together today. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to John chapter 21. And we pick up the story a few weeks after Resurrection Sunday. The disciples have encountered the Jesus uh, has encountered Jesus twice before. We pick up verse one. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and the two others of his disciples, were together. Imagine yourself as one of the disciples for the moment. You've gone through the agony of Good Friday, of seeing your friend, your leader, the one that you believed was Lord and Saviour, Messiah, King, crucified. His body taken off, buried in a tomb. Throughout a Saturday, you would have been asking yourself, well, what about those promises? What about the declaration of this coming kingdom? When will it take place? How could it possibly come forth? 
And then on Sunday morning, the women appear and they bring news that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive. You don't know what to make of it. You don't know how to respond. And so you go uh, and you carry on doing what you know to do. You meet together and you pray. And that evening, in your midst, Jesus appears. A week later, you've carried on meeting. You've carried on praying. This time, Thomas is with you. He wasn't there the last time. Thomas says, I will only believe if I see the wounds in his hand and his feet. And again, through a locked door, Jesus appears and stands in your midst. How do you make sense of this moment? How do you reconcile what is going on? You know this is not the climax of the story. You know that there is still more to come. But Jesus hasn't given any instructions. He isn't explaining what's going on. He's teaching from the scriptures, but only to show what has taken place. You simply are stuck. You're simply waiting in a moment. You're simply biding your time for what is next. Does it sound familiar? So what do you do? We do exactly the same things that we see the disciples doing. Carry on with life. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And so they went out into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. You see, Peter and the rest of the guys knew that life had to carry on. And so they went back to their day jobs. They needed to earn money. They needed something to do. So they were, as fishermen, they went fishing. We also read that they carried on meeting together and they carried on praying. They were caught in this cycle. They were caught in this rhythm, not knowing how long it would last, not knowing what was next, but just existing. Pragmatism had ruled the day. The struggle was they had no strategy. They had no blueprint. They had no plan for what was next. They knew that everything had changed. They knew that life couldn't go back to before the cross. It couldn't go back before they met Jesus. But what that difference and how it lived out, they did not know. Yet God was at work. God was doing something in their midst. We carry on reading verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. Jesus comes and meets them in the midst of their ordinary. Jesus comes and meets them in the middle of what they were doing as they lived life. All three accounts up to this point, or including this point, Twice in the room, and now while fishing. They were just getting on with life. And Jesus broke into the ordinary. Jesus broke into the mundane, the routine, and calls them. Verse, if we think about this, this, this story may sound familiar. Jesus standing on the shore and calling out to the disciples. And you're right, in Matthew 4, verse 18, we read Jesus' original encounter, his original calling of these disciples. They're out fishing, carrying on, just carrying on their life as fishermen. And Jesus calls them and invites them on this journey, on this adventure. Now, three years later, 
back in the same place, doing the same thing, Jesus appears again and calls out to them. The adventure is not over. Life is not on pause. There is something that God is doing in this moment. Verse 6, he said to them, cast your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul in because of the quantity of fish. The disciples whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land but about a hundred yards off. There was something different about Jesus. They weren't able to recognise him by his physical appearance, but there was something that just resonated with John. And as soon as John realised that it was Jesus, he turns to Peter and said, look, it's Jesus. And Jesus, just all about heart, all about passion, jumps right in and runs to shore. What a beautiful picture that is. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and uh, hole the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so were the fish. And this was the third time that Jesus was revealed to disciples after he had raised from the dead. Jesus meets them and has breakfast with them. There's a beautiful intimacy to this passage. Jesus and his disciples being with each other. There's a depth, there's a love of old friendship here. Just being in each other's presence. In the midst of the uncertainty and the unsurety about what was next, they simply were being with Jesus. Now you can imagine their temptation. This certainly would be me. A big breakfast is great, but Jesus, tell me what's next. Tell me how the plan is going to unfold. Tell me what's going to happen. How is your kingdom going to come? What do you want me to do? But they have more self-control than I would have. And they simply dwell in that moment. The struggle that many of us are facing is that in the midst of what is going on, we cannot see the bigger picture. We do not know what's next. We do not know how long it's lasting. We cannot quantify what God is doing in this moment. And so the temptation is to try and rush the moment, to try and move to the next chapter, to try and look ahead and live in the future, rather than dwell in the present where God is at work. Jesus was intentional about everything he did. Jesus was intentional about sitting on the beach and having breakfast with the disciples. What if this Sabbath moment, this moment of false rest that we find ourselves in, isn't actually about stopping and pressing pause on life and just waiting out this season until then we get on and, and, and carry on with what's next? What if there's something that God is wanting to do with us in the midst, that God is wanting to do with us that he can only do when the pressures 
and, the, and then the, the, the desires of the world have been stripped away. Jesus turns his attention to Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, so feed my sheep. And after saying that, he said to him, follow me. For two weeks, Peter had been carrying around the guilt of betraying and denying Jesus on the night that he was arrested. For two weeks, he'd been carrying around the burden of his sin, his shame, unable to do anything about it. And Jesus come and meets him in the middle of his shame and asks him this simple question. Do you love me? He asks it three times, one for each time that Peter denied. But then he responds by reaffirming his calling. So feed my sheep. Jesus isn't allowing Peter to remain in that shame, in that guilt. But is meeting him, is healing him, is restoring him. Jesus is at work. Jesus is doing something in this season to prepare Peter for what is next. You see, we have something that the disciples don't have. We know how the story pans out. We know in a couple of weeks' time, Jesus will ascend into heaven. And then 10 days after that, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit will be poured out. The church will be birthed. Peter will stand up and preach the first evangelistic sermon and 3,000 people will be saved. But all that was only able to take place because of the healing and the restoration that took place on that beach in that moment, in that quiet Sabbath time. For 50 days they find themselves in the middle of uncertainty, unsurety of what is going on. They're forced to Sabbath, they're forced to rest. They're forced to simply be with Jesus. Does that sound familiar? Yet it is, yet it is in this time that Jesus is preparing you and me to the story that he is continuing to write in our lives. Jesus is healing and restoring Peter so that he can step up and be the leader that God has called him to be. I believe that God is wanting to meet us, to heal us, to restore us, to invite us into a deeper intimacy so that we can be ready for the next chapter that he has. I believe that for many of us, we're in the same place as those disciples on the beach. We don't know how long this season is going to last. We don't know what is next. But if we simply see that this moment, this time is just about waiting out and then we can get on with the real stuff. We miss what God is doing. 
We miss what God is wanting to work in people like you and me. This is a once in a generation moment where the land is being allowed to rest, where we invite it to simply be in God's presence, like the disciples hanging out with Jesus on the beach. So the question comes then, what is it that God is doing in you in this moment? What is he wanting to work in you while you rest from the world? Did you know that scientists have been doing some experiments in the last couple of years? They've been looking at babies and they've been comparing babies who sleep more and nap more compared to those who don't. And they've been looking at it in respect to growth. And they found that the babies that sleep more, that nap more, have more growth spurts, will grow larger over that time than those that don't. When you look at a baby sleeping, it's not doing anything, it's not learning anything, it's not going through any developmental stages, yet it's growing. There's something about rest. There's something about when we go into the rhythms of God, the growth takes place. What is it that God is wanting to do in you? What is it that may look simply like rest, but actually is God growing us, stretching us, preparing us? If a baby does not go through that season of growth, then it's not able to later on walk run. We do not go through this season of growth from rest. We will not in the next season be able to walk and run. For some of us it will be a season of deepening intimacy, of learning how to rest in God's presence, to eat from his hand of provision, provision to, to not rely on our own strength, to simply be with God. Father, it's like with Peter, a time of healing, of restoration, where God is wanting to put his finger on whether it's unresolved sin, whether it's character issues, whatever it may be, but things that will prevent us from, from stepping forward as the leader that God has called us to be. God is wanting this to be a season of healing and restoration, of where we strip out everything that holds us back, so that when the time is ready, we can walk and run. For some of us, it's a case of allowing God to reprioritize our life, to stop chasing career or ambition for the sake, to start asking God, what are the kingdom values you want me to run after? If we're honest, we know what it is, because it's always there. It's always just below the surface. But with the busyness of life, the demands of uh, our work, our family, of church, we can easily put it to the side and say, we'll get round to it. But God has now stripped everything back and he's saying, I want to deal with this situation. I want to work in this moment. I want to prepare you. I want to invite you into my presence so you're ready for what is next. And like the disciples in our text today, we live on the other side of Pentecost. We have the great commission to go out into the nation to... to, to to um, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit resides within us, transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. But we must be prepared to embrace what God is doing. To not just see that that mandate, that calling, is something that will happen in a couple of months' time when this blows over. 
that actually is happening right now. God is working in our midst. God isn't taking a break, waiting for this to blow over, saying that I'll get around to it when this goes back to normality. God is at work in our midst and God is inviting you and me to sit at his feet, to be in his presence, to allow his restoration, his healing, his touch to meet us. Remember, we don't rest from work. Sabbath isn't about recuperating from everything that we kind of poured out, but we work from rest. We work from Sabbath. Sabbath is about preparing us for what is next. This season is an integral part of your journey. It's an integral part of your adventure. As God grows you, challenges you, stretches you, heals you, renews you, restores you, invites you into his presence. So that when the time comes, we are ready. And like Peter, we can stand up on that day and fulfill what God has called.